Good morning, church, and happy Sabbath. Pastor Adrian here. I am sharing the word with you today from the parish church here in the children's room. And I'm sorry I could not be there with you in person, but thankfully, uh, this is one of those moments where I am thankful for technology so that we could actually do this uh, through the recorded message. Now, we will today be in 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're looking at verses 16 through 21. Now, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 21, we'll look at the whole passage, uh, and then I really want to zero in on one verse here that I believe is very important for us and everything going on uh, in the world and in our church. So let's get started here. Starting with verse 16, it says, For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Amen. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. God, today we approach your word with humility and we ask and pray today, God, that you would open up the Bible to us, that you would speak to our hearts this Sabbath morning that you would help us to see Jesus and may our faith in him be uh, confirmed today, strengthened. We ask for a blessing from heaven, God. Please minister to each one here. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now, as I was considering what to preach on today, I kept going back to this passage in 2 Peter because many of us, have recently been blessed. Many of us have recently been uh, reaffirmed in the things that we believe in this district. Just literally uh, about a week ago, Pastor Tim Rosenberg gave his last message to us uh, after doing a 10-day series on the prophetic books of Daniel and Revelation and other places in the Bible. We did the same thing in Paris, having the Amazing Facts evangelist come uh, from uh, uh, Pastor Wyatt Allen, and we spent thousands of dollars. We uh, invested much time and energy. Thousands of flyers went out to cities and towns all around. Dozens of people came through our church and we made contact. And we have to ask the question, why are we doing ministry this way through the proclamation of the prophetic word? 
Now, there are other things that our churches, our churches are doing, you know, the clinic and other things, and they're very important. In some cases, they're just as important. But why the proclamation? Why is this a signature ministry of the Adventist church? And we're going to look at that today because this is very important for the times in which we live. This prophetic word that Peter is talking about here, and I believe when we understand the importance of Bible prophecy, it gets us hungrier and hungrier for the Bible and for the second coming of Christ. Now, Peter, in his book here, uh, Second Peter, if you start from verse 1 and read all the way to the end, you'll see a number of themes. And a couple of themes that come out as I've read through the book of Second uh, Peter was, first of all, the trustworthiness of the Word of God. Peter is trying to establish how, how firmly these believers can trust in the Word of God. There is no error. There is, there is uh, uh, no problems or, or mistakes in trusting what they have been taught by the apostles and what they have learned from the scriptures. But another strong theme as you read through, you will notice that Peter strongly condemns both false teachers and their doctrines. And as I was reading through 2 Peter, I was thinking, oh God, may I never, ever be a false teacher or teach false doctrines, and may I never fall for them either, because they receive strong condemnation in Second Peter. It's a very sobering book. And this is important to us today. It is relevant for us today, not just Peter's time, but for us today, because think about it. In the seminars that we just had in our church, we learned, we were reminded that most of the world, most of Christianity is practicing false doctrine. Most of Christianity is, uh, is in error in their belief about things like the second coming of Christ, the day in which the Bible clearly tells us to, wor to worship. Uh, who is the Antichrist and how will he come? What, what, uh, how are we supposed to live our lives? What happens when we actually die? All of these things, if you will notice in the world around you, if what we have just learned and been reminded recently is true, and I believe that it is through the seminar, then an overwhelming majority of not only the world, but Christianity is living and practicing and believing false teachings from false teachers. And here we have in 2 Peter a condemnation of that very thing, a warning of that very thing. I want to challenge you to go home and read through 2 Peter. Read through the whole book. It doesn't take long. You could do it this, this afternoon, literally in, in probably less than 20 minutes, even if you're really paying attention to what you read. And Peter strongly condemns false teachers and false, te and false doctrine. He gives a warning to believers. And somehow those warnings went unheeded. And it is time for the world, it is time for Christianity to heed the warnings 
of the word of God. And that is why we are heavily invested in the prophetic ministry. That is why it is one of the signature ministries of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Because much of the world and of Christianity is living and believing a lie, and they don't even know it. Now, I'm not condemning. I'm not saying they're all uh, damned to hell. That's not at all what I'm saying. But I'm saying, look at how powerful the deceptions of the enemy are. Look at how strong a sway it has over most of Christianity. That, for example, when the day of worship, the day to worship God, the seventh day Sabbath, is so clearly and plainly taught in the Bible, most of the world, most of the Christian world, disregards that, that very important teaching in the Bible. Well, it doesn't matter the day. It doesn't, you know, it's, it's, we're honoring the resurrection, so on and so forth. But this is not found in the word of God. So it's, it's so easy for people to get taken away in the flood of error. And so today we look at this passage and we see that Peter is trying to confirm the believers and what they have been taught, not only in his day, but it's for us as well too. And we'll see here that one of the ways that we are confirmed in our faith and we are guided into truth is by the understanding of the word of God. Not just the word of God, but the prophetic word of God. Now, it's interesting that Peter begins kind of giving a testimony here in our passage by recalling what he saw on the Mount of Transfiguration. This, uh, this uh, uh, scene that he witnessed. We read about it back in Matthew chapter 17, when Peter, James, and John went with Jesus uh, onto what he calls the Holy Mountain, and Jesus was transformed. He was transfigured. And he saw Peter and the other apostles who were there saw Elijah and they saw Moses with Jesus. And then they heard the voice of God himself saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And so this impressed Peter's mind so much, he never forgot it, that it shaped the way he viewed the entire word of God. It shaped everything that he believed uh, about Jesus. But you know, what's interesting here is that Peter did not begin believing that Jesus was the son of God on that mountain. No, we read back in Matthew chapter 16, that when Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? Peter said, you are the son of God. He was calling him the Messiah. He was saying all these prophecies of the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, all these prophecies from the scriptures of the Messiah, that he would come and deliver his people and that he would bring a reign of righteousness and, and all these prophecies that we believed in, you are the one, Jesus, who they were all talking about. And in the very next chapter, 
when they went up on the mountain, God honored his faith in the prophetic word of God. And he got to see something that the people of this world have never seen before, except those three men. And that was a transfiguration of Jesus Christ. Now, as most of you know, that that experience of the transfiguration was a type or a, a taste of the second coming of Jesus. When Jesus was shown there in all of his glory, imagine with me, if you will, church, that you are on that mountain and that Jesus Christ is transfigured and you get to see the Son of God in all of his glory. I don't know how God protected them from being knocked out, wiped out, killed on that mountain because they were in the presence of God and his glory was revealed. They should have been killed. But somehow God protect, protected them from being destroyed by this beautiful, bright glory of Jesus Christ. And so it impressed Peter's mind so much he never forgot it. And he gives his eyewitness testimony of what he saw. And I wanna encourage us today, church, that just like Peter, who believed in the prophecies of, of the Bible about the Messiah, that if we hang on to the prophetic word, we will also see the glory of Jesus Christ with our own eyes. We will see the glory of Jesus Christ when he returns in all of his heavenly glory if we hang on to the prophetic word of God because that's what's going to guide us and lead us in these last days. This was not just for Peter, but it was for us also. And he's telling us, if you hang on, you get to see the same thing, but even better, even better. So Peter, he gives his eyewitness account, but he knows that we have never seen that. And so he says, I saw this transfiguration. It confirmed my faith, but I already believed because of what I was studying from Bible prophecy. And so I want to bring our attention to something here that Peter says after he gives his eyewitness testimony of what happened on the mountain. He says in verse 19, And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place. And I want to bring our attention to here, here to what Peter is saying. Now, as, as I continue on here, we, we're going to talk about uh, some, some words that I believe are important for us to notice. I'm going to be using some original languages. Just hang on with me and I'll explain the importance of what it means. Now, in my Bible, it says, so we have the prophetic word confirmed. That's the New King James Version. The Old King James Version says in verse 19, we also, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. I like that, more sure word of prophecy. And I like also what the NIV says. It says, we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. The prophetic word confirmed 
a more sure word of prophecy, something completely reliable. Now, as somebody who has a minor in biblical languages, and I had to stress my brain to the limits studying Greek and Hebrew, I can tell you that yes, all three translations are correct. But I wanna bring something to your attention, that the, this, this confirmation, this more sure word, it's coming from this one word in the original Greek. And that word is bebaios. That's the word that they're using to say confirmed or completely reliable or more sure. It's the word bebaios. This word bebaios, its root word is the word bino. That's the root word that is being used. Okay, now hang on with me. This is important because bino means in the original Greek language, it has the idea of walking on solid ground. It has the idea of being, of being ground or being a place that is absolutely dependable for stepping upon, giving guaranteed support. It refers to something that is fully dependable. You could say that the word bio, bino, excuse me, the word bino has the idea of somebody having solid footing. That as they're moving forward, as they're stepping forward, they don't have to be afraid that they're going to sink into quicksand. As they're stepping forward, they don't have to be afraid that they are on thin ice and their life is in danger. None of that. They can walk as securely and surely as anybody ever can. Now, this is important for us, uh, church, I believe, because if somebody is standing still, if they are immobile, if they are inactive, if they are content with just camping out, they don't need to be sure of their next step because they're not taking any steps. They're just okay where they are. But Peter is saying to us as a church, he's saying to us as Christians living in the last day, that those who believe in the prophetic word of God will be part of a movement of people. They will be part of a movement that is going forward in faith according to what they believe in the prophetic word of God. And it will move them to action. And you see, that's what this church is. It is a religion, but not just a religion. It's a movement. That's what the, the Seventh-day Adventist Church and the message that we proclaim whether it be a Daniel and Revelation seminar, whether it be uh, amazing facts, whether it be a Bible study, whatever it is, whether we're, we're preaching on the Sabbath or the state of the dead or the Antichrist or, or the manner of Jesus' second coming, all, all these different things. This is a movement that God is 
is motivating, that God is propelling in the last days. That's what makes this message and those who bear it different from the others. It is a movement. And so Peter is saying, as you believe in this prophetic word, everything that you've been taught, you've been reminded, it needs to shape and mold you as you move forward. You see, once again, if somebody or a group is, is just immobile, then they, they don't need that sure word. It doesn't matter because they're content to be where they are. And, and the sad thing is that when we do not have security, when we are confused, when Christians are unsure about what the future holds, it will paralyze them in fear and they don't go anywhere. It will trap them like animals in a zoo. And that's not what we want to have as our experience in the last days. Now, I remember when uh, my wife and I, my beautiful wife and I, Sumako, when we got married um, almost eight years ago now, next month will be our uh, eighth anniversary. We got married uh, there in the beautiful island of Okinawa, Japan, and we chose Singapore for our honeymoon destination. And we were there for about nine days. And our, we did a lot of fun and exciting things. We went to a lot of great restaurants. We traveled around Singapore. Uh, it's a very wealthy, uh, expensive, uh, high-class Asian uh, country. Quite small, uh, but it has a, a, a strong upper-class society. Um, I learned a lot of things while I was there. Uh, it's very multicultural. But one thing that stuck out to me of, of the many things that we did is that we went to this really amazing um, kind of outdoor wilderness uh, type of zoo, if you will. It's, it was this place that we went to. It was a wildlife zoo that you could go and explore at night. We, you, most people went uh, in the evening time, had a meal, and then they had these really great uh, night shows and, and night showings of the animals. And I remember at one particular point, we were on this like trolley cart uh, going through the wildlife zoo and everything was open. And we were closer to some wild animals than I ever thought that I would be. And as this trolley cart is going through, it's talking about the different animals on your left here. You have this animal on your right here. You have this animal. And I noticed that in particular, at one point, we were, uh, we were being brought through um, this, this area where there were these four-footed animals that look like gazelles or impalas. And I remember thinking to myself about these animals that I think that they could jump over that fence that's keeping them in and they could run over here and start running around. I, 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 was, I was looking at them because all this stuff was kind of uh, more open than I thought it would be. And as I saw the impala and the gazelles and these other animals not far away, I saw that their, their fence that was keeping them in was lower than I thought it should be. 
And so I was thinking, why don't these animals, I know, I, I don't know all the facts, but I know that these animals could jump over that fence and run over here and, and you know, attack us if they wanted to. You know, I know they're not animals who attack us, would attack us, but you get the point. Like, I was like, is this really safe? You know, that doesn't look like it's going to keep these. I've watched these uh, National Geographic uh, documentaries all the time. These animals can leap over the tallest basketball player and they, they get away from lions and other wild animals. And why aren't they jumping over that fence? This is what I was thinking to myself as we were going through. And so I did notice that just below the fence, there was a little drop off in the ground and a small um, ditch, if you will. And so I think to myself, well, that must be why these animals are not jumping out. But I still think that they could, they could jump right over that fence. And sure enough, I later learned that impalas can actually jump as far as 30 feet or nine meters. And so when I learned that later on, I thought, man, those animals are, are pretty dumb because they could just jump right out of there and they could jump over the fence and over the ditch and they would be free. But I also learned later on that these four-footed animals, these impala and these gazelle, if they cannot see in front of them, if they cannot see the ground, if they cannot see solid ground in front of them, whether it be close or far, they will not attempt, attempt to jump. They will go in a different direction. They have to have a sure, solid ground before they will jump. Now that's quite smart of them, having so much power in their legs to go pretty much in any direction and over anything that, that they want to. And it was this fear of not having that solid ground on the other side of the fence, that little ditch that was right there, it was not being able to have that, that being able to see that solid ground that kept them trapped behind those fences, that kept them trapped as, as animals who could have been free at any moment that they wanted to, because they weren't sure of the ground that was in front of them. What a sad deal. What a, what a terrible tragedy. And you know, for many Christians, it's the same way. If we are not sure of the next step that we are going to take, if we're not sure or we're fuzzy about what we believe from the Word of God, about our faith, about how we're supposed to live, then we will also be paralyzed in fear. If we don't know what the future holds for the world or for our lives, we will be trapped like animals in a zoo on display for others to watch. This is why God gives us the prophetic word. So we can be sure about what is coming in the future. 
We can be sure about what God is doing in heaven today, what he's done in the past, and what he's going to do tomorrow. We can be sure because we have that prophetic word confirmed. And so now the question for us today is, church, what are we going to do? How are we going to live? What is our response going to be concerning all the wonderful truths that we have learned or been reminded of in recent weeks? How does that shape and mold the way that we live, our faith? How does that shape and mold the way we live? Are we stuck camping out? Are we just content with, with, with being where we're at? Or do we move forward in faith on solid ground, the solid ground of the prophetic word of God? All of this should be shaping and molding the way that we live. How we prepare for the second coming of Jesus. Church, it is my hope and my prayer today that we all have confidence in the prophetic word of God and that we get out and we share that with others as well so that not only ourselves, but others can be ready as well. Don't keep this to yourself. Take the books that you bought, the, the messages that are online, the things that you have learned, and, and let it impact your life and let it be your testimony, just like Peter gave a testimony of what he saw. And then he said, hey, you can be sure as well too. Then you take what you've learned or been reminded of and you share it with somebody else and say, hey, you can be sure of this as well. Because as we talked about before, the world is full of error and false teachers. And most of the world, and yes, most of Christianity is following false teachings and false doctrine. And we don't want to be in that camp. And we want as many people as possible to be saved from those deceptive errors that will lead many into destruction. That's why we mobilize ourselves. That's why we are a movement. That's why we invest so much in the ministry of the prophetic word. Church, it is my hope and my prayer today that it is just something that has given us a hunger, more of a hunger for the prophetic word of God. May God bless you and happy Sabbath.